then you're going to start identifying yourself within that limiting belief. And you're going to believe that that's who I am. If you end up saying that's who I am, then you're in a bad place. Because that's how you end up having some strong limiting beliefs about yourself. You're listening to Wild Creative, a podcast designed to inspire new ways of thinking, evoke wild ways of being, and excavate enriched understandings about our purpose, creativity, and wellness. I'm your host, Emma Kvetna, maker and mystic, teacher and writing coach, entrepreneur and Sagittarius. I am joining you today from the traditional territories of the Mi'kmaq people in Nova Scotia, Canada. Without further ado, let's explore the wild creative. Hello and welcome to Wild Creative. Ever since the whole coaching industry has sort of taken over the internet the last several years in terms of people working more from home now and offering their expertise in the form of coaching, we've seen so many different types of coaches and so many different people offering their expertise in whatever fashion that may be. And the great thing about coaching is that it's not regulated which can have its downsides if you don't know what you're doing. But on the other hand, you don't technically need a coaching certificate to do it. Although many coaches who are very serious about it do usually get a a coaching certificate. You may have the know-how and expertise, but coaching someone else on how to actually do it requires a certain skill. So And some people are born with it naturally, and others may want the help of or the validation of a certification program. I'm kind of getting on a tangent here, but my point is that whether or not you have a certificate, it's possible to be a coach anyway. And especially with the internet, it's possible to help whomever you'd like in whatever niche or industry you want and from wherever in the world that you want. If you've got the goods, if you've got the knowledge and the experience of overcoming something, or if you have a certain way that you move through life that may help others, then why not offer that as a service? And I've talked to some really interesting coaches on this podcast already, uh, different types like business coaches, soul coaches, an empowerment coach, resilience coach, magnetic mind coach, health coach, life coach, creativity, writing coach. There's so many different types of unique coaching to be had out there. And my guest today is no exception. While David is an executive coach, his approach is very much based around optimism. So I like to think of him as an optimist coach in a sense, even though that's not strictly what he does, but optimism does play a huge part in his business approach. In fact, he even calls himself David the Optimist, so pretty optimistic guy, I would say. And we did have a very optimistic and helpful conversation today. I learned quite a few things, actually. We talked about the importance of therapy and what the difference between coaching and therapy is and how to have an optimistic belief system, how to step outside your comfort zone. We talked about writer's block and overcoming mental limits. And David also shared some really great insight into meditation and what it is that meditation can actually do for us in a situation. So without further ado, here is David's bio. David is a self-published author and certified executive coach. David believes that every solution has at least one problem and that innovation is only possible if you dare to think creatively outside the box. Since 2016, he's written five books and more than 100 articles that are available on his website. David joined me via Zoom from his home in Romania. Hello, David. Welcome to Wild Creative. Hello, Emma. Thank you for having me. 
You're welcome. Very excited to talk to you about optimism and coaching and how you combine those two. Speaking of which, I'd like to get a bit of a rundown on people and how they got to where they are currently. So can you tell us how you've leveraged creativity in this really unique, unique way to become the coach that you are today and how and why you became an executive coach? Yeah, th that's an interesting question. And I haven't thought about this in a long time because it takes me back to maybe high school. Oh, really? um, and yeah, that, that's kind of where I guess some part of it started as in, I believe that's where I kind of started paying attention to personal development. And that's when I started writing ab about it in a way. And then after high school, I, I also started some projects related to marketing, but trying to market what I was writing. So mm. that shifted to having clients as a freelance digital marketer. And then from that, working as a coach with these clients, but not really uh, as a coach, as in they knowing I'm a coach, but trying to help them in a way, adjust some other things they may have to work with so they can bring better results to their businesses. Because mm -hmm. after all, my from my point of view, your business is going to br bring the results based on who you are as a person. So yes. yeah, that, that's kind of, kind of how things shifted from personal development in high school, then writing and then marketing and then coaching. Oh, interesting. So it seems like a very natural trajectory to where you ended up. Yeah, it, it feels natural and it seems natural, but back then I had no idea. So of course, Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. We yeah. never know what it is we're going to end up doing, but yeah. Oh, yeah. So, and you call yourself David the Optimist and that's the name of your website. So I take yeah. it you must be a pretty optimistic person. I, I like to think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's not every day that we meet optimistic people. And a lot of people like to say that, oh, being optimistic is, it's not realistic because it's too much like being mm -hmm. like false hope. And then there's, maybe that's them being pessimistic rather than realistic. So I don't know, what's your thoughts on optimism and realism? And like, can someone be both realistic about what they expect from life, but also still be optimistic about the outcomes? Yeah, I, I think it would be some sort of craziness to be only optimistic, because yeah. in a way you have to connect to, to the reality of the society and try to understand society and understand its rules and what it wants from the people that are part of the society. And that, that's how I'm looking at, okay, you have to be realistic in this formula and or whatever it is. And then yeah. the optimistic part comes on my side. So it's something that's really internal. And it's, mm. let's say, the idealistic part of looking at things, but also combined with some practical, some, some practical approach. Um, mm. Because you can be optimistic as much as you want, but then it may go down the route when you're more of a dreamer than, and you just yeah. believe that things can be better and you do nothing about them. And for me, optimistic also goes back to being practical about the things that you're optimistic about. Because otherwise, again, you're from my point of view, you're just a dreamer and you just dream about yeah. things getting better. Right. Yeah. And on, on like balancing optimistic with being realistic. And I understand that is difficult, especially... Uh, in times where there's, let's say, a global conflict, because mm -hmm. you tend to be a lot connected to to the reality because you're you're trying to avoid it or you're trying to stay safe or whatever, which means that you have to pay attention to what's going on. 
and the harder it is to kind of pay attention to what's going on and be part of that reality, the harder it's going to be to keep an eye for an optimistic approach and try to to live life better than how society is handle is handling that reality to you. That's how I'm looking right. at things. Yeah, so it's a balancing act. It's a balancing, yeah, and it's harder to balancing the more, like, the, the, the harder the reality is, the harder it's going to be to balance it. Right, exactly. It's harder, it's, yeah, I could see how for some people it's hard to be optimistic in situations where reality seems too hard or too harsh or yep. too, yeah. So what would be, like, a, a, I don't know, a quick tip or some, how would you approach that? If life's really getting someone down and it's life sucks or yeah. everything seems to be everything seems to be going wrong how would you approach looking at things optimistically even in that situation well for starters i wouldn't wait until things get rough and if things yeah. get rough then i would go to therapy and try to solve things out because i believe if you find the right therapist then that's the best thing you can do but then i wouldn't wait and try to go back to my roots and try to understand who I am outside the rules of the society, because society always wants us to be part of the system, to go to school, then have a nine to five jobs and so on. Mm -hmm. So I'll try to see who I am beyond all these rules and then mm -hmm. look at my values, look at my strengths and all these things kind of will show a different part of you. And then that will maybe fuel some perspectives that, okay, if I have these strengths and these values, what do I want next? And that will kind of fuel you with energy and maybe uh, some visions and some perspectives that's, that's going to give you energy. And then it's up to you to put that into action and so on. But uh, I think I'll start with therapy and things if things are not going the way you want them to go, if you feel anxious or frustrated or whatever, and if you solve things out in that direction, then try to to understand how the rules of the society impacted you and kind of adjust mm -hmm. that also. Yeah, I like that you mentioned the therapy because I feel like a lot of people yeah. don't, um, they don't go that route or they think they don't need it or it's, well, therapy is only for like really like mental health problems or that kind of thing, but everybody could no. benefit from therapy yeah yeah exactly yep. yeah and it sounds like coming back to yourself is a real key component for you because you were talking about like looking at where where did you come from your values and what am i good at and that and and looking at yourself outside of the systems that are already yeah. like set up for you yeah because yeah. i feel a lot, a lot of people can get lost in that in terms of what's expected of them and and it's hard you can lose yourself really easily in that yeah yeah, yeah. the system kind of want you to behave the same as everyone else and yeah. in, in that behavior you kind of there's a high risk to get lost in that behavior and not understand who you really are right so then there's and then the action piece comes in you need to take yeah. action to get out of it right yeah yeah for sure yeah i like that approach it's yeah very balanced indeed so let's talk a bit more about uh, the belief system of an optimist, because that's actually one of your books that you have on your website, which is awesome, by the way. You have five books that you've written, and they're free on your website to download. Is that right? Uh, they're not free anymore. They were free until oh, the beginning okay. of this year. Yeah, there was just some marketing experiments that I did. Uh, yeah. I For like, I don't know, three months or six months, I, I made everything free just mm -hmm. to see what happens. 
nothing surprising. I mean, uh, for for some people, some people didn't even see that there are some free things. So it's like, if you don't go out there and say things out loud, people won't notice them. Yeah. Yeah. So, exactly. uh, so they missed out. <laughs> on the free yeah. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I haven't said anything about it, like being free or something like that. Uh, or having any pre uh, any free products or services, I haven't said anything, uh, and I just want yeah. to see what happens if I make everything free. Yeah, yeah. So not anymore. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're not free anymore. But yeah, that's that's fair. I was surprised they were they were free at all. Like yeah. a while ago, when I was looking, I was like, oh, this is amazing. This is yeah. so generous to give these away. But okay, so they're not free anymore. So no. <laughs> but they're 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 still on your website though. They're ebooks, correct? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're ebooks, and there are also some. The, the printed versions, yeah. Oh, okay, okay, cool. Yeah. So one of the books is called From Brain to Heart, The Belief System of an Optimist. And yeah. obviously people should just buy the book if they wanna find out more, but can you give us maybe like, what are some key ingredients of having that optimistic belief system? I feel like we kind of already touched on some, the taking action and yeah. you know coming back to yourself, but is there anything else you could add to that belief system? I, I think it would be something related to creating awareness Mm -hmm. around your life because if you live if you live your life in the terms that maybe your parents or the society or or whoever that are not your terms then the beliefs that you're going to have are not your beliefs there's there's the belief that those around you and you're going to be raised by your parents and if your parents didn't have this awareness that we're talking about, then they're going to have the beliefs that their parents had. So you're, you're kind of living and building your life based, based on your grandparents' beliefs. And it can go back generation to generations. And I think that go that's that's part of how you build any lifestyle that you want. It, it doesn't have to be an optimistic lifestyle. It, it can be a realistic lifestyle or it can be like, I'm going to be a a high achiever and I'm going to build beliefs around mm -hmm. that. But yeah. it goes back to kind of creating this awareness and it, it can translate again to any kind of lifestyle. Yeah. So being aware of the beliefs that maybe we were kind of brought up with passed yeah. on yeah. down. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good place to start. Um, another one of your books is called the subconscious subconscious mechanics, the importance of your subconscious in achieving objectives. So what can you say about sub the subconscious? Because I always love talking about, about that. <laughs> yeah, funny enough, this book, sub Subconscious Mechanics, starts from the idea that I just shared. Oh, uh, and I realized, go. yeah, uh, but it, it goes back to, uh, so there are kind of three steps. The first step when is when you are born and you're born as equally as anyone else because you have four limbs you have two eyes you have one mouth and so on there are some exceptions for for sure but that's mm -hmm. the general lure and then there's the second step when you're handed to your family and that changes everything because it goes back to the society that you your family is part of which means education financial systems which means everything and that's the second part and then there's this third part when you realize all these things and you decide that you want to change or not and that kind of translates to the subconscious as in all these things are part of your subconscious and they're there because you've been part of your family and until I believe that the first seven years, you're like a sponge and you absorb all this information that you're not really aware. You're just growing and growing and growing. And then little by little, you start to become aware of what's going on mm -hmm. until you reach some 
sort of maturity. And that's when the third step kind of comes in. And if you're lucky enough, let's say, you get to decide what you can do next. Because mm-hmm. if if you've been part of a family who's, let's say, they're really religious and they, you've kind of in a point where you have to go to the church every Sunday and you've been raised like that, and if you want to make a shift, then you you kind of have to, let's say, fight your family against these beliefs. And you kind of have to go through some really hard discussions with your family, or maybe you'll have to leave your family if you really want to kind of change your life. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're going to live your life based on these beliefs, religious beliefs that your family kind of passed on to you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, the the book, that's kind of where the book starts. It's a really short book. And then it approaches the the mix on how you can set yourself goals and work with your subconscious when it comes to setting goals and achieving them. Yeah, no, your subconscious is so important. I've heard that it's like, I don't know if this is right, but like 90% of, of us is our subconscious and then only like 10% or something is conscious. I don't know if that's accurate, but what I'm saying- Yeah, I don't know it either. <laughs> I just heard that the other week. Maybe I'm rem- okay. misremembering, but it's it's what I'm saying is, and this is not new to anyone, but like our subconscious greatly affects our, con- our us consciously, essentially. Like the yeah. subconscious beliefs steep into what we do like on a conscious level with, and whether we're aware of it or not. And usually we aren't aware of it because it's subconscious, right? Yeah. So that's where the that's where the self-awareness comes in. So I'm wondering what are can you share with us some of your own subconscious beliefs or patterns that you kind of had to overcome or let go of or and how you did that? So for example, and this is something I, I solved in therapy last year. Mm-hmm. I used to go back to eating junk food whenever I had some unwanted feelings. Mm. and imagine you're you're on a route and then all of a sudden the route splits into two and you can only see the the right one you're blind when it comes to okay maybe i should take the left one but you're blind you you don't see that and for me was okay on the left one there are the emotions and i'm not going to deal with that i'm blind about it and then i'll start eating junk food just to avoid that part so i'll go back to um, kind of feeling good about myself through junk food. So I, I was bypassing these negative emotions and I realized that only to therapy because I used to think that there's kind of related dopamine in a way or maybe lacking dopamine. I, I don't know. I, I was yeah. having all these thoughts, but I realized that dopamine had nothing to do with it, just maybe making myself feel a bit better about the whole situation, but Mm -hmm. I wasn't dealing with what was causing the whole problem. And this is what kind of made me realize that therapy, if you have the the right therapy, is is amazing. And Mm -hmm. I started kind of encouraging all my friends to go to therapy as as soon as I found the right therapies for me, because I had some bad experiences. But yeah, that, that was the kind of the belief that I had and I had for a while that I I wasn't really able to sort it out. But mm-hmm. thanks to therapy, I think things kind of, I mean, I, I, I managed to go to a point where I'm really happy with myself and overcome these unwanted beliefs that I kind mm. of didn't serve my purpose in a way. Yeah. So so now you're aware in a way that like, if you ever did reach for junk food again, you kind of, you know why you're maybe doing it or it's like, okay, I'm aware of it, but I'm okay with it. I'm going to still eat it. Like it's 
It's not about that anymore. It's not about that. It's more yeah. like I'm, let's say, I feel like I just want to eat some chocolate and it's fine. It's not like I'm going to eat chocolate to avoid something. It's yes, like because right. I'm in a mood for eating a chocolate. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that's a definite shift. Now, that's interesting. It reminds me of another guest I had on the podcast. She's She was a gut health specialist and she was talking about how we like use food to like eat our emotions essentially and yeah. like or or to not deal with things yeah so that was really interesting that's depending what you decide to eat can tell a lot about what you're actually thinking and uh, what you're going through so yeah let's talk about your coaching and your coaching style and your your clients that you work with because you're an executive coach yep. is that correct yeah so yep. what does that mean exactly that you work mainly with the like corporate uh, people or small business owners or entre and entrepreneurs or yeah so when I did the shift, like when I actually started coaching people back in 2018, it went from, I, I mean, I was still doing marketing. I'm still doing marketing. Mm -hmm. And it was with my marketing clients. And things changed a lot in the past year because last year I said myself that I want to move on from small companies because I was working with uh, small companies, in a way, I'm still doing that, small businesses. And I was working di directly with the entrepreneur in in most mm -hmm. cases, which is great because the entrepreneur doesn't report to anyone and there's not a third party involved. But I, I feel like I'm not having the impact that I want to have. And last year, I decided to get myself the certification as a coach. I'm still in the process. I think I'll I'll get it next month hopefully. And um, yeah, that, I, I guess that's what, what kind of the, the process to, to reach in this, the, the present moment when it comes to coaching. And yeah, until now, I, I think I've always been working with corporate clients. There are topics that I approach that goes back to personal, but I do that in order to kind of be able to unlock some beliefs and then focus back on the business. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say there must be some crossover with personal yeah, and business. For sure. Yeah, yeah, because they're not separate, even though we like to yeah. pretend they are. <laughs> yeah, there, there's there's funny how people think that business to business doesn't involve people when it's actually <laughs> only about people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, what's some of the what's what's are, what are some common problems that your clients bring to you? So maybe they don't have enough clarity around their goals. Mm -hmm. uh, or maybe the vision is too strong and the goals are not really connected to the vision. Or maybe they struggle saying no. And that goes, that that's where I usually approach also some topics related to personal and not only a business. Maybe they feel that they have a hard time speaking with their employees. Maybe they feel like they're not aware of what's really going on and that maybe also translate to therapy. And if things go like more into digging the past, then there's not the right client for me. And I kind of stop the sessions and, okay, yeah. let's stop. And if we can continue with topics related to coaching, sure. If not, I, I'm just going to recommend the therapist. Yeah, but these are like common issues or like topics that I've coached on lately. That's interesting. You mentioned there the therapy versus the coaching. So yeah. because many people might not really know the difference or like when, what's the, what's the kind of cutoff? When, when do you send someone when you, yeah. to therapy versus, oh, I, I'm a good coach for you? What would be your yeah take on what's the definition the difference between them for you 
Yeah, so there's a lot of commonalities when it comes to to coaching and therapy because there's even tools that are, for example, you, you can approach the topic of, I don't know what I'm doing in both coaching and therapy. But it goes back to, okay, why don't you know why you're, what you're doing? Um, and if it goes back to past issues or maybe traumas, that's therapy. And if it goes back to, let's say, I don't know why I'm doing because I don't know what I want and I don't know how to explore my future or my present, then that may be coaching. Okay, interesting. So it's, yeah, one's more in the past yeah. and then coaching's yeah. more present and future. That's a really good way of separating those actually. Yeah. So if somebody was to bring to you something around like, oh, clarity around their their goals um, mm-hmm. and their vision, that was one of the things you mentioned. What would be your approach to that? Just to give a taste of like, what's the first thing you'd want to you know know about them to get to the root? I, I see goals part of a vision. So most of the time they go hand in hand. And I ask questions about their reality. I do a reality check. Okay, what's your visions? What, uh, what, what goals do you have around the vision? Where are you right now in regards to your goals? What's happening in your life right now? Uh, how much effort are you putting into it and so on? And then we we discuss about, okay, what is it that you want out of the coaching program? And then what is it that you want out of the coaching session? And I do that with each session. So each session has its own goal connected to the goal of the whole program. So it's very tailored to the client. And- yeah, for sure. So another thing I I would love to ask you about is, do you ever coach people on money mindset or does money come up a lot as one of the issues that they bring to you? Not really, no. And for me, topics like money, motivation, discipline, these are kind of the result of what you actually want. So Mm, discipline can be maybe the lack of not knowing how to build some behaviors and then you go into, okay, why I'm not able to build these behaviors and what's going on then. And you kind of dig deep until you understand that maybe there's a belief that's holding you back or maybe there's, I don't know, the environment that's holding you back and so on. So when when I hear topics like, again, money, motivation, discipline, uh, my mind goes, okay, what is actually going on? Because there's the problem is not making money. If you have the knowledge, the beliefs and the behaviors, then you'll be able to make money or to be disciplined or whatever you're looking for. So there's something underneath the obvious that is kind of driving your behavior towards what you're not getting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. I kind of selfishly asked that because for my own money mindset, okay. <laughs> I was like, well, I wonder what his take is. No, that's really, that is, that's as helpful actually. Do you want to wait, yeah. make this conversation even more personal? <laughs> <laughs> sure why not <laughs> but you know it, it's um yeah i was asking well money is a big thing with business entrepreneurs um for sure like yeah. small business owners but it is for everyone uh, a big thing yeah it's every yeah it's always a big thing and you know i never have enough or i don't know what to do with it or I, usually it's i can't i can't get it so yeah i just thought i'd ask but i feel this will kind of go along with the money mindset thing is comfort zones because i feel people who are in their comfort zones like me have trouble with money or money mindset because they're kind of, if they're not stepping out of their comfort zone, they're not really working towards increasing their money or financial freedom, whatever it is they're trying to get. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Yeah. What's your thoughts on that? Comfort yeah, so zones? 
the, the coaching question that comes to mind would be how do you define your comfort zone? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because mm -hmm. that will define a lot on what does it mean to you to go outside the coaching zone? What, what kind of efforts? But more than that, uh, so uh, I see this a lot lately when it comes to goals that because when you see when you, when you look at your comfort zone then you look at your goals and how how do you go past your comfort zone through your goals and i see a lot of things on social media about impossible goals and things that are so high that yeah. you you can't achieve and then if you fail you fail above someone that didn't set them anything but it, that that's so unhealthy and so negative that i don't really suggest having such approach. And for me, it's like, what's a goal that you feel it's challenging and also is not stressful? Because mm -hmm. if it's challenging, then it's going to motivate you. But if it's stressful, then it's going to keep you in your comfort zone. So you kind of have to look at it from a perspective when you, okay, this is where my comfort zone is. And then what is something that I can do today in order to step even let's say one centimeter out, outside my, my comfort zone, and then I can go back there. So if you step every day, one step outside of your comfort zone, then after one year, you'll, you'll have something and you'll be happy about it and you'll be relaxed compared to trying to reach for something that's really high and then seeing that you can do it. And then after one week or maybe earlier than that, consider yourself a failure and then go back to some maybe deeper mm -hmm. and more unwanted problems that you that actually don't really help you to go where you want to go. So mm -hmm. I, I see a lot of encouragement these days on social media, like do your best and be, I don't know, some impossible version of yourself. And I don't really yeah. believe that that's what it is about. Yeah, yeah. It's, it sounds like what you're saying is like setting yourself up for success rather than these like unrealistic kind of expectations that yeah. you maybe think think you have to meet because of social media or whatever else but yeah. and for some people i feel like a comfort zone failing might be comfortable like some people might be scared to get what they actually want like they're scared of being successful or taking on that responsibility mm -hmm. of getting the thing that they want you know what i mean it's kind of like a reverse yeah yeah i understand and for me that that kind of goes to being able to stay present because if you're yeah. scared of being successful, then it means that you're focused on the result. The result of that means that you're going to be successful, which which may mean, okay, I'm going to make millions of dollars. And that's my version mm -hmm. of being successful. But because it's not part of who I am right now, it's not part of my reality. And it's so big, it's going to scare me. So yeah. if your mind is constantly paying attention to that, Whenever you're you're supposed to step outside of your comfort zone, your mind is going to think that you have to do something in order to get that much amount of money, let's say. And you're not mm -hmm. going to do that because your mind doesn't know what to do. And right. at the opposite pole, for me, it is, okay, what is it that I have to do today in order to move further? And it's not moving further to get that much amount of money or whatever uh, absurd uh, goal you may have in your mind. It's about, okay, what... What is my vision? My vision is to be, uh, I don't know, uh, to have something that is going to make me happy. And that may mean making that much amount of money, but it may also mean some other things. Maybe uh, it will make me happy by the end of the year to travel. 
that can translate mm -hmm. into having more money, whatever. So yeah. what can I do today so I can start traveling? So mm -hmm. that's kind of how I'm looking at this whole process that is goal-oriented. So for example, mm -hmm. in my case right now, what can I do to have more coaching clients? And what I'm doing right now, instead of thinking, okay, by the end of the year, I want to have 20 active clients and trying to obsessively uh, go towards that, I'm not doing that. I don't even care about the result. Mm -hmm. Instead, I'm, I, I care about what I can do right now and be engaged with the process right now. And I look at my website and see how I can improve it. It's something I, I can do right now. I, I'm creating content for social media. It's something I can do right now and engage with people, speak with people so people know about me. And eventually, because I'm doing this every day, eventually I'll mm -hmm. get there. And maybe it won't happen by the end of the year. It will happen, let's say, next year. I don't know. But I'm open to have this kind of flexibility because... For me, it's important to get there and it's important to get there relaxed instead of getting there frustrated and maybe, okay, I worked so hard and I lost so many things in the process, including my mental health, and it's not worth it. Right. Because eventually I'll, I'll get to have the clients and the money and the business, but I'll, mm -hmm. I'll get there happy. Right. So yeah, you don't want to get there burnt out. <laughs> no, for sure not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that, that sounds like there's a little bit of like a... Um self-belief there as well to, to not only kind of set the goal of like that's what I want but it's I know it's in the future I believe in myself that I I can get there but I, I need to focus on what I can do today yeah in small small steps yeah yeah I think that's where the realism comes in like I'm optimistic about the future I'll get there but I'm realistic about the fact that I I need to be present in what I do now yeah for sure yeah, yeah. So I wanted to talk to you more about some tools for running a business because you have this PDF these of these 10 tools uh, and each tool comes with an activity and it's, it's on your website with a price, but you've got the free coaching sessions thrown in with the package yeah. as well. So can you take us through an example of like how one of these tools may have helped some of your clients? I'll just read some of them off. So okay. Um, how to prioritize your tasks, how to be more patient so you can be happier, how to deal with people who are resistant to change, how to get rid of what's holding you back. Yeah, there's like a lot of really good stuff in here. So can you give us like a little story maybe of how one of these tools helped a client, like a case a case study example? Uh, yeah, there's actually, it goes the other way around because okay. I started working <laughs> with clients and based on on the interaction with the client and what what happened there i've kind of ended up creating the tools so it's is the other way around and so to answer your question i don't have many insights on the entire journey that someone engaged with through these tools because mm -hmm. it was i think that the longer it was so the tools itself, it kind of replaces coaching because that, that was my purpose with the tool. So you get the tool, you read the tool, and then each tool has between three to six activities. So mm -hmm. they're, they're, and they're personalized to the tool. So for example, there's a tool that talks about how to discover your passions. And there's another one on how to prioritize some activities. And the one that is about how to prioritize activities, I think has a specific, or I think there are two specific activities on how to say no. Mm -hmm. So in order to prioritize uh, the tasks that you have, maybe there are some that some requests from uh, some exter external requests that you'll have to say no. So you'll, you'll learn how to do that. And then the coaching sessions 
come on top of what you work with the tool by yourself. So most of the people that I worked with after they got the tool, they were like, okay, help me to kind of put some pieces together, pieces of the puzzle, let's put them together. But the whole journey kind of started the other way around. And they started with mm. some specific clients because I can't do what I really want to do in coaching with all my clients. And the, the clients that I managed to work with and create this type of tools, they were really open to have some really unique and personalized coaching experiences, which means we had around 20 to 30 coaching sessions, which is not usual. And mm. also with efforts from both sides and engagement from both sides on some personalized activities based on what happened during the coaching sessions. So it was really personalized and with more efforts than what a usual coaching session will require. Right. Yep. And so it was from those sessions that these tools kind of came yep. came out of it. Yep. Yeah. So essentially, the, this is kind of like a, a toolkit, essentially. And it's, it's like a self-starter kind of DIY. Yep approach if somebody wanted to kind of coach themselves they could download this whole kit plus they get a one-to-one session with you yeah. if they if they want yeah yeah uh, the thing is yeah when i kind of shifted because they were free as we said they were free and yeah <laughs> right now you don't have to buy all of them so if you're really interested in how to discover oh. your passions then that's it and you can choose that you yeah. just get yeah. that one exactly yeah it's a really great resource so i recommend that uh, people check that out for sure Let's talk more about creativity and okay. writing and, and all that kind of thing, because you are a writer and you've written a lot of nonfiction books. I'm curious, do you ever think you'll write fiction? And if so, what would it be? I tried. I, I wrote, but yeah. not not books. I, so And also there are some articles, I think less than 10 articles, uh, that have some stories inside articles. So the nonfiction is kind of presented differently. And if I would write fiction, I don't know what it would be. <laughs> uh, yeah, I yeah. have so I have kind of ideas in all kinds of directions. Maybe it will be something that's science fiction or maybe it will be something that kind of combines the fiction with non-fiction. Um, I don't really know. I haven't thought too much about it. I'm inclined to... If I ever write another book again, I'm inclined to write again some nonfiction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I I don't have any plans for this year or also for next year. The the focus right now is on coaching, like with the certification that I went through last year. The, the whole process made me to be more even more engaged with what coaching is. And right now, the only writing I have planned is keep writing articles one every week and keep doing that for the for the rest of the year right so you're more of the content writer yeah. and uh, the yeah. marketing and the books but yeah that's yeah fair. some articles are up to 3000 4000 words so yeah, yeah. that's pretty yeah. long yeah <laughs> what's your process then for writing like do you have a a creative process when you approach your nonfiction writing or is it just more just plan it plan out the article and and write it to that yeah, so recently is more around starting with a vision. So I have an idea. Mm -hmm. I kind of try to see if there's possible, but in most cases is not really part of the process. But I'd like to think on, okay, this idea, how can it develop and 
what kind of content I can write based on that idea. And then mm -hmm. I, I lay down the structure, like the table of contents, and then I just start writing. And there are some articles where I don't even write the table of contents and I like to engage with the flow and be part of the flow and just keep writing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. for example, last week, I wrote an article of around 3,500 words. And I started at around nine in the morning. And then I, when I finished writing, I looked at the time and it was 12. So three hours, just, I, I didn't even realize when the thing, the, the time passed. So I'm really engaged with the, with the process and I love being part of the process when it comes to writing. And when I was writing books, the process was a bit different because especially if you want to write daily, uh, there's the writing block that I experienced. I don't know if everyone experienced, but I experienced. And when it comes to the, the writer's block, the exercise that I used to do is to kind of dig deeper and deeper and deeper into what I want to write and kind of ask myself, okay, I reached this point with the content that I written and then I, I'm stuck. Then my question is why? Why was this, this content important to mm -hmm. be part of the book? And then... I'll, I'll come up with an answer. And then based on that, that answer, I don't start writing. I just ask my, myself again, why? Why does this make sense for what I just wrote here? And then I have an answer and then I ask myself why again? And I do this for like, I don't know, maybe seven, seven to 10 times and digging so deep into my beliefs and into what I think about the topic that I want to approach. Eventually I move past beyond the writer's block and I I go back into the writing process. But yeah, for me right now it feels so natural to write, I don't know, three thousand words that I don't I don't feel stuck in any way. Yeah. No, that's that's awesome. And the exercise you were just talking about about the why, yeah. going deeper with the why. Yeah, I've heard of that exercise before. It's it's kind of it's a cool exercise that kind of layers on top of getting at the root problem, the root why of, of why you're trying to do something essentially so it's really useful technique and I've used it before as well myself it's really helpful for writer's block so that kind of reminds me of journaling because you said you mentioned to me a, a long time ago that you do journal as well so yep. how does that factor into your writing do you ever journal about your writing or uh, like, what do you journal about I, yeah. I used to journal a lot like a few years ago and I was writing about my experiences and how I felt about those experiences. Maybe I was frustrating with something or I don't know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And until recently, like, yeah, the, the, until the beginning of this year, I, I I stopped journaling, but I started again. And right now I'm usually journaling after a coaching session. And it's more of a reflective writing based on how I felt during the coaching session, how well I think I did, uh, the insights that I have and so on. So then all this information goes back to my subconscious and I don't really have to be aware of it. But then when I need it in, in the next sessions, then I'll be able to access it because through writing kind of the information is put in a place where neurologically is easier to access when you kind of need it. So yeah, th mm. that's how I'm looking right now at the process of journaling is more of a way to connect myself to the information that is really important for the the coaching process mm -hmm. so it's like an access point yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. So you use it more as a reflective means for your business, essentially. Yeah, right now, yeah. For example, right now I, I have, but I, I still didn't have the time to do it. My therapist sent me like, I think 10, 13 questions to reflect on what happened last year, what's happening now and what I want from this year. And it's re reflection combined with what I used to write as in how I felt about things and some experiences that I had. So I'm looking forward to opening the email and properly read these questions. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I'm really excited about this. I haven't uh, journaled like that in years and yeah, you, you just reminded me about it. Oh, good. I'm yeah. glad. <laughs> um, yeah, questions are a good prompt. Yep. They're a good prompt for journaling. Even just writing out a question at the top of the page, a simple yeah. question can get you going. So, well, good luck with, yeah, the, <laughs> with the questions. <laughs> I'm glad that that came back up. Um, you mentioned also to me a, a while ago that you've used running as a technique for playing with your mental limits yep. and you also meditate as well. So can you talk a bit more about running and meditation and how that's helped with your own self-discovery? Mm, yeah. And uh, I'll start with running because meditation changed a lot lately. Running right now is being on and off as in, I don't like running as much as I used to run to, to like it in the past, but I used to run a lot and I, I finished an ultramarathon of 64 kilometers, which is like 42 miles and it's a lot. Uh, but back then when I when I used to run, I also used running, as you said, for kind of overcoming some mental limits. And the way I, I did it back then was I set myself a challenge to run daily and by the end of the month to have 200 kilometers in total run. And I was running every day in the first week, three kilometers every day, then the second week, five kilometers every day, then the third week, five, uh, seven kilometers every day, and the fourth week, nine kilometers every day. And then I guess, yeah, it, it was a, a month with 30 days. So the last two days, uh, 11 kilometers every day. So it, it was around mm -hmm. 200 kilometers in total. And the thing was, I discovered that I was, so for example, in the first and second day, I was getting used with the distance, like three kilometers, five kilometers. And then the more I, I was running that distance, the more I was getting used to it mentally, because that's the main effort when you end up running these long distances. It's not the body anymore, it's the mental. And then all of a sudden, I had to change the limit. I had to go from three to five, to five to seven, and so on. So that helped me a lot in understanding how I'm limiting myself beyond running. And because, let's say, even going back to writing, if you set yourself to write something daily, uh, maybe, I don't know, 100 words, and you do it for a month, and after a month, you want to shift to writing, I don't know, 500 words or even 200 words daily, then you kind of have to put in the effort to overcome that limit that you've built yourself because the limit wasn't there. Yeah. You set yourself to to write 100 words, which means you set yourself that limit. Yeah. And the more you do it, the more that limit is going to be connected to a belief that you only can write 100 words per day. Mm. And then when you want to write more, it's gonna have you're going to have to put in the effort not just to write more, but to overcome the limit that you set yourself. Wow, that's really trippy <laughs> if you think about it. Like, I just haven't thought about limits on that way before, but it's so true. 
when you set a goal, you kind of are limiting yourself yep. in, inherently. Yeah. And that can feed the belief, as you said, that that's, well, that's all you can do is that's all you're capable of doing. Yeah. And, yeah. and the worst part is that eventually, if you don't realize it and if you don't do nothing about it, then you're going to start identifying yourself with within that limiting belief. And you're going to believe that, okay, I'm not able to write more than 100 words per day. That's who I am. And if you end up saying that's who I am, then you're in a bad place because that's yeah. that's how you end up having some strong limiting beliefs about yourself. So people can start to identify with yep. that with that belief. And then this reminds me of the comfort zone. It kind of becomes your new comfort yeah, zone. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's really interesting. So you've used running, specifically the distance, yep. as a means to push yourself physically, but then you also could see how that would apply to mental limits yeah, too. Yeah, I, I mean, physically it was... You can see it from outside, like, okay, you went from three to seven or three to five or whatever, mm -hmm. but physically it's not a big of a deal because from a point on, yeah, yeah the body is going to get used with just running because it's the same process, it's the same, like physically you're doing the same thing over and over again. But here it's like, okay, the, these two extra kilometers, we feel like I have to do something for 10 hours. It's, it's mm -hmm. so difficult especially in the first two days that you'll feel like, okay, I want to go back to running three kilometers. And it's, it's painful here. It's not for the body. It's painful here. Here in the yeah, mind. Exactly. For our listeners who can't see. Yeah. yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and then what about meditation? What can you say on, on yeah, meditation? I, I used to meditate a lot, but uh, I believe I, I was meditating not really on how society sells meditation because I used to not meditate as in you shouldn't think about anything. That wasn't something that I was interesting, like interested in, like, okay, I should read of, mm. should get rid of all my thoughts. No, I usually was picking something that was bothering me. And then I was trying to deconstruct it as much as possible to understand its core. That was my meditation process and right now i've kind of discovered this program i don't know how to call it is called positive intelligence and meditation is way different here as in it uses is not really meditation it's kind of something close to meditation it uses some sort of te techniques that is helping you kind of control your mind and not let your mind control yourself because Whenever you're trying to do something, then your mind goes to all these different things that are not related to what you're doing. And your mind kind of de distracts you from what you want to do. And with these techniques, you're kind of telling your mind, hey, you shouldn't go there. You should go back to where I want you to be. And that's what meditation mm -hmm. is for me right now. I've, I'm trying to kind of instruct my mind to do the things that I want to do and not let my mind mm -hmm. go wherever it wants to go. Right. So it's a, a the awareness thing, but then bringing the attention back yeah. to whatever else you'd rather focus yeah. on. Yeah. And the challenge is to kind of focus on anything else but the mind, because <laughs> you want to focus on, <laughs> on your body, on your sensations or uh, what you're seeing. Mm -hmm. So for example, if I'm looking at the camera or your background, and if I'm looking at the piano, mm -hmm. then I can do that for 10 seconds, 15 seconds, then my mind is going to go, ooh, Mozart or whatever. But no, I don't want my mind to do that. I want my mind to fo be focused on the color of the piano, let's mm -hmm. say. 
Yeah, and that's the challenge mm -hmm. because if you can't control your mind on something as simple as looking at a the piano, then your mind is going to do whatever it wants, whenever it wants. Mm, interesting. So trying to catch yourself when you go in those off on those mental tangents yep. that naturally just randomly happen anyway. Yeah, that's such a good skill to have throughout our everyday. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. for, for example, you're you're outside and someone yells at you. And then your mind can go, okay, you, you can insult that person in your mind or you can go even deeper and think about past experiences that are, are common to this one. And then you're going to start, I don't know, digging for some negative emotions from the past and then it's a chaotic domino. You don't want that. And then if you're able to kind of help your mind go back to the present moment and focus on the things that are part of your reality, yeah. then you're, you're kind of balancing it out and stay focused on what's going on right now. Mm -hmm. Wow. I think you just explained meditation to me <laughs> in a way that I haven't had before, because, which is great. Cause um, like, I always knew that oh, meditation, the whole point is kind of sit there quietly, be very present, try to focus your mind on one thing and bring the attention back all that. I kind of knew that, but I didn't really get like, what does that do for me in, in the real world? But then using the example that you just said, if somebody yells at you, your mind is immediately going to go, oh, my God, what did I do? What are they yelling at? Or, oh, it's my annoying neighbor. I, you know, they blah, 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 yep. blah, blah. I don't like them because of this. You're immediately going to start thinking whatever it is you're going to think rather than just focusing on the fact that someone's just trying to get my attention. Yeah. yeah. And, and even more than that, like when you think of meditation, you usually think because that's how society is, is selling us the process of meditation. Like you sit in a room, you do it for 15 to 30 minutes or whatever. And then what I discovered mm -hmm. to this process, which is called positive intelligence, is that if you feel, if you focus on your on your breath, let's say for 10 seconds, you, you're actually commanding your mind to be present there and to not go sideways for 10 seconds, which means that compared to meditation, when you when you think of it in a specific context, this positive intelligence practice or whatever it is, you can do it anywhere. That's kind of the benefit. You, you're, I don't know, you're walking and you can focus on uh, the, um, I don't know, uh, you can focus on anything that you can see. Or you're in the bus and you're traveling, you can close your eyes for 10 seconds and you can focus on your breath. And you, you don't depend anymore on being in your room and doing it for 15 minutes. Yes, it's it's a very accessible thing. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Well, I think that's a really good spot to end on for our talk today. And hopefully people will go and do a quick meditation after this, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> um, or work it into their day somehow. But yeah, thank you so much for explaining that. That really actually helped me a lot. So where before you go, where can people find you online if they want to connect? And do you have any upcoming offers or anything you want to promote or share? Yeah, so I, I think I'm the only David the Optimist. So if you just Google David the Optimist, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you're going to find me. But on Instagram at David the Optimist and um, on my website at davidtheoptimist.com. And the offer right now would be that I discovered this positive intelligence coaching program that, that I just shared with you. And I'm kind of training myself to be able to do it and to manage it. And the offer that I have right now is... Whoever wants to experience it and see how it is, I'm giving away one free session to whoever is interested. So, yeah. And the offer ends okay. uh, by 31st of March. So there's enough time. Okay, great. Yeah, perfect. Okay, well, I'll put all your links okay. and that offer in the show notes for people. That's great. That's great. Yeah. So my final question to you that I ask all my guests is, 
What final piece of advice can you give our listeners today for living a wild, creative life? Hmm. I'd say do the hard thing and focus on who you are and what you really want out of life because everything that you usually are looking for in general is just the result of who you are and who you want to become. So just just focus on that and put in the effort to discover who you are and then things just will, will just align for, for you. I love that. Putting yourself first, yep. self-discovery yep. first. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you so much, David, for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It was a really nice conversation. All right, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to my conversation today with David. I hope you are feeling more optimistic and that you have some good takeaways from this episode like I did. If you'd like to connect with David online, all the links are in the show notes below. If you're enjoying the podcast overall, please do rate and review. Don't forget to subscribe, follow, and share. I do also have a Patreon for the show if you'd like to support it that way. If you have any questions, comments, or topic ideas for future episodes, please email me at emmakavetna at gmail.com. Otherwise, until we meet again, stay wild, stay creative.